Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, the Bears won the number one <laughs> pick sweepstakes, and they lost the game against the Minnesota Vikings, which whatever. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about a lot more about the 2022 season, but otherwise, how did you find the finale? Such a strange game. I wrote about it at the site a little bit. You know, it's... I've always talked about I will never root against my favorite team. I rooted against my favorite team on, on Sunday. This is kind of the Bill Zimmerman philosophy. He he said the same thing all year. He'll never root against them unless it's the last game of the year, and that's all that matters. So I wasn't actively, like, cheering for them. Like, yeah, they're, they're an interception, yay, I wasn't that. But, you know, I was like, you know, they were just a bad football team. So luckily – they, they they got down early, so it was it was no no drama, um, and then of course the Texans game really sealed wow. the deal. That was exciting ending. I had it on red zone, and I was hoping they would show that, and uh, they of course did. So that was ridiculous how that all played out. And you know, Lovey Smith, you know, like we've talked about, coaches don't tank, players don't tank, organizations tank. So Lovey was going for it. Plus, Lovey knew he was gone. That, that Texans franchise is just ridiculous how they've done the last two coaches dirty. That's just that's bad stuff over there. Yeah, I think we all knew that that Lovey didn't have much of a chance going into this year. I think there was even talk about the way the contract was structured was that they were going to be able to move on from him with kind of a minimal hit or something like that. Only one year was kind of guaranteed or maybe two years were guaranteed on the contract, something lighter than what you'd see normally for a coach. Lovey knew what he was getting into. Obviously, he figured he could take the chance and try to turn it around. Didn't have anything around him. Um, but I'm sure that those players were playing hard for him at the end yep. because you saw that they won two out of their last three games. Um, <clears throat> he doesn't want to go down as having the worst record. The Chicago tie was nice. Obviously Lovey Smith didn't care anything about yeah. that. He was just trying to win football games. And, and again, he, he knew he was on his way out, but it was a fun story to, to, to follow. Uh, like you said, Bill Zimmerman, had uh, TJ, I believe it was TJ that put up the the graphic, correct? Yeah, with uh, um, the, the, but the, the beard, the lovey beard, beard with yeah. the yep on the bear logo. A lot of us had the had that as our profile picture for, for Twitter yesterday, and um, it you know it was it was fun, fun little storyline to cheer for. The way that it went down it looked like the Tex Texans were going to walk away with that game, and they gave up the lead. They were down. They came back. They had a fourth down miracle play to continue the drive then they were like fourth and even longer like fourth and 20 something they throw like a desperate hail mary yeah the colts defender goes up for the ball and it just goes right, right through, through his hands and atkins the the guy that caught the touchdown 
he almost like was surprised that the ball made it through the hands because he's like, oh, here it is. And he, he catches the ball and he kind of almost looks around like there was just this like, wait, we what are we doing here? Uh, and then they, they go for two. They get the two point conversion. They hold them in the last minute and Texans get a big win. Colts move up in the draft order. There's a lot of talk about that. Colts are quarterback hungry. They're now picking fourth. Would that be an attractive spot for Chicago to trade down to? So we'll get into that a little bit here in a minute as well. I got a little teaser for that. Um, But it was a fun finale for a season that went, you know, pretty much like we like worse than we thought in terms of record wise. Um, But, you know, we knew that this team wasn't going anywhere. And so to have some intrigue and some interest in the last last game of the season was pretty fun. I never imagined that the Bears would have the worst record in the league and still figure out that Justin Fields is the guy moving forward. Yeah, he's got some work to do. It'll be it'll be talked about these next few months, I'm sure, by everyone. But he knows it. The Bears know it. Everyone knows it. He's got some work to do, but he showed enough. You know, this franchise believes in him. You know, there's some quotes out there from, from Coach Eberflus. So Ryan Poles has talked about it. You know, there is going to be none of this, you know, will they draft? No, they're not drafting a quarterback. This is their guy. Any of that other stuff is going to be created by, you know, outside forces. But I, I never imagined the worst team in the league while figuring out Fields is the guy. I figured if they had a bad team, it would be, well, Fields is not the guy. Fields is the guy. Yeah, I remember saying it might have been on this show, might have been on one of the other like 58 shows that I've been on uh, beginning of the year where I said, People were complaining about the, I believe it was the Sports Illustrated prediction where they said Bears are going to have the worst record in the league. At the time, it didn't feel like that was accurate. Got to give the Sports Illustrated guys some credit here. Um, they predicted the record correctly. I believe yeah. it was a three-win record, right? There's a little bit of that going around too with a certain member of our team that that uh, kind of made fun of that after the first couple of weeks. Uh, but they kind of nailed that. Okay, fine. Um, but at the time, I was like, you know, guys, if we get through this season – and the Bears do have the number one overall pick, and they have figured out that Justin Fields is the guy, that is a great position to be in. Yep. If they get to the end of the year and they figure out that Justin Fields isn't the guy and they have the number one pick, that's a pretty good position to be in too. So this this idea of like, oh, that's crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. That would be terrible. That would be a disaster for the organization. I disagree. I think it's actually a really good position to be in because the point of this year, as we have said all along, is to clear the sins of the past off of the the payroll it is to figure out who on this roster is worth being part of this football team going forward which i think that we have a lot of that information it's not many it's not a lot but you know that's there and then it's to set this new culture up and and i think that we saw that with the hits philosophy and and you know coach eberflus and and what they're trying to do here year one of the new offensive system with uh, Luke Getze, like those things were important foundational pieces to have this year. And I would say that all, th- all three of those things were accomplished. They're in a good place as a franchise. And uh, it seems weird coming off a, a three win season, but they really are. I mean, they're not going to have a, you know, a huge jump, you know, next season, but you know, it's right there for them. And, you know, like you said, some pieces are in place, enough pieces are in place. They know what they're doing. So it's a uh, it's a good place. Now it's up to Ryan Poles, you know, get it done here. All right, Lester. Well, let's let's talk about the Portillo's Trench Tribute. Like every week we start off in the trenches because, of course, that is where football is played. And like every week this year, Portillo's has been sponsoring our show and particularly this segment. It's the last one of the year. $100 gift card. Your last opportunity to get in on this. We haven't had 
a lot of entries from last week. We had a, the lowest number of entries that we've had in quite a while. We were doing really well, and then we had a very low number. So if you want a shot at this thing, get your name in. And this year, it's not just from yesterday. Please don't tell me, Nathan Peterman, okay? It is for the 2022 season. Yeah. Your 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 tribute for the 2022 season. So um, get us that where you get your Baron Balance. Either that's on Twitter, like just reply to our, our account uh, when we tweet this out. Um, uh, 2ndcitygridiron at gmail.com if you prefer to, to send us an electronic mail. Uh, you can respond on YouTube, you can respond on Facebook, or you can respond on the website. We have got five ways to get involved here. We can't make it easy enough for you. Um, so get in one last shot uh, and take this last gift card off my hands before Lester steals it and goes on a goes on a binge of getting beef and uh, cake shakes. So, I would definitely do it for sure. So make sure. Yeah, no, I've been they're under lock and key. So <clears throat> let's talk about trench tribute for the season. So this is the guy that you want to uh, promote for 2022, not against the Vikings for yeah. the season. You go first. I had two guys written down here, but I'm going to go with, um, I think he was probably the best lineman the whole season. He had some injury issues. He didn't play the whole year. Plus he had a weird start. That's Tevin Jenkins. You know, I just think we talked on the top about some, some foundation pieces if healthy, and it sounds like he talked a little bit today about the neck, how it's something he's going to work through. It's it's not no surgery. It's just he has to strengthen the, the muscles around it. Tevin Jenkins said he'll be fine going into the next season. Right guard, he's a Pro Bowl caliber player. He's still got to clean some things up. Again, we've talked about this all season long, but in the run game, he's there. He's got the not right attitude. You know, he, he really bought in to the guard after – wondering if that was going to happen and you know i really wanted to see him finish out the year strong didn't happen but still if you look at the overall body work of the entire both trenches it's got to be tevin jenkins so i also had two names written down tevin jenkins was one of them i'm glad that you took him i think that like you said he was clearly the best player on the field uh, on the lines when he was on the field now the injury issues are going to be important, right? Like yeah. he's going to need to clean that up. He's going to need to figure out body health. He's going to need to dedicate himself to yoga or whatever the heck it is to make sure that his body can take the pounding of a full NFL season because availability is a skill. And it is very important for offensive linemen to be available for all of those plays. Do you see where I am going for my trench tribute? That is Braxton Jones. Fifth round rookie comes in. He plays 1,017 offensive snaps out of 1,017 offensive snaps. That is 100% of the offensive snaps for the Chicago Bears. The fifth-round rookie, the only player to do that. Incredibly impressive. Left tackle is not an easy position to play. It is not easy to make that conversion, that jump that Braxton Jones did. He held it down. Was he... An all-pro? Obviously not. Was he a pro bowler? No, but he was a solid player that they could use, and they were able to figure some, some things out with him, and he showed a lot of progress throughout the season. So very impressed with Braxton Jones. He gets all of my respect for being available and being a solid presence on that offensive line that had all kinds of trouble all year. Rookie offensive linemen struggle. Whether you're a first-rounder or a fifth-rounder, 
often struggle at that spot. I remember a few years back, uh, the, the Broncos drafted a guy in the first round, uh, Garrett Bowles, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was a bust, and he turned up turning him to a pretty, yeah, hold every week. He turned into a pretty good football player for them. You know, you can go around the league. Each team has guys like this, you know. That's a tough spot. You know, left tackle, you know, you're the guy on the edge there. You know, you're facing, you know, the best the best pass rusher most most weeks. He has some work to do. You know, he's he's self-aware of it as well. He's talked about it. You know, he knows he has to do this. He has to get in the weight room. You know, he'll get in the weight room. He'll link up with one of these uh, these O-line gurus during the offseason. He'll work on his technique. He does not strike me as the kind of guy that's going to rest and, and just, hey, I, I made it. You know, I did it. You know, my, my, my rookie year is over. He's going to attack this offseason, and he's going to come back stronger. And, you know, he may not be the left tackle next season. They may draft a guy or they may, they may sign a guy. They may kick him over to the to the to the right side. They may work him inside the guard. He may be a swing tackle. Who knows? But I think for what he was and where he came from, he gave the Bears some nice uh, some nice stability. And uh, th- there's something there for the future. I assume that was your second name. No, it wasn't actually. Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear your runner up. I went more for a a career retrospective. Cody Whitehair. Okay. This could be his final uh, go around here in Chicago. He's due a ton of money, uh, 17, 18 million, I think, next year or something in that ballpark, I believe. He is not at that level anymore. He was paid that extension back when he was coming off a of Pro Bowl, I believe. He's not that guy right now. He, he's he's a little older. We talk about injuries. He, he's been banged up a little bit the last couple of seasons. I just think I wanted to, to, to give a quick little acknowledgement to Cody White here, what he's given to the Bears. You know, on some pretty bad teams, um, center guard throughout his career. You never want to get rid of a guy and, and make a hole on your roster, but I think at that money, it would make sense for the Bears to, you know, let him go find a younger player. Even if you find a young, younger player at that same money, that's that's elite money he's making. Yeah. You can sign one of the the top offensive linemen on the market and replace him with that. So I think it's a good chance that Whitehair may be gone, and if he is. He had a nice career in Chicago. Yep. Okay. That's fair. Um, I'll, I'll agree with that. I like Cody Whitehair a lot, uh, but, you know, injuries got the better of him. He's played through a lot of them, and I think that that shows in his play a lot of time. Unfortunately, you can tell that he's injured, and I think it really explains what happened to Whitehair last year. He's clearly playing through something that was never put on the injury report. But we'll move on to the tweet of the week. You are starting off with a fun one from the Ringers, Roger Sherman. Yeah, my tweet kind of goes back to what we talked a little bit about the Texans game. Um, so it's so a ringer's Roger Sherman at Roger. How does he get that Twitter? Yeah, he was an early adopter at of Twitter. Roger, man, yeah, that's impressive. Good uh, so here's his tweet. He just looked it up, and the Texans were the only team with two fourth and ten conversions in the same game this year. And they did them on the same drive in the fourth quarter of week 18 to ensure they didn't get the number one pick. And then he followed that tweet up with a second tweet saying the Texans' fourth and 20 touchdown pass to lose the number one pick was literally the only fourth and 20 plus conversion in the NFL the entire season. Everyone else was 0 for 9 in that scenario. So everything had to happen perfectly for the Texans in order to get the Bears at number one pick. And I just thought that was pretty remarkable how a couple years back, so many things had to happen for the Bears to get a chance at Justin Fields. Now here we are. So many things had to happen for the Bears to get a shot at number one, which should you know transform the franchise again. Maybe things have changed for the Bears. You know, maybe they're not the that's going to be a sad sack, and you know that's a Bearsy thing to happen. Maybe maybe a Bearsy thing will happen. Now it's going to be 
oh, the luck went their way. Yeah, they got the first pick. All these great things happened. Yeah, they mentioned it on the broadcast yesterday, which, yes, I sat through the broadcast of that terrible game yesterday. But they they said, uh, you know, oh, last time the Bears, they, you know, they finished with the worst record, tied with the Steelers, 1970. They had a coin flip. Steelers won the coin flip, and they drafted Terry Bradshaw, right? Like, okay, maybe the Bears trap draft Terry Bradshaw, and Terry Bradshaw washes out of the league in a few years because the Bears are terrible in the 70s or whatever. You, know, you never know, you know, how, how these these sliding glass doors uh, moments happen. But there's one of the, that's one of those moments in Chicago history where you're like, this Hall of Fame quarterback is right there. They missed the coin flip, and, you know, here we go. So maybe there is a little bit of luck that is evening out over this 100-year history. I think Hallis used all the luck up, like in the – in the forties. And then he got more luck in the six, in the 65 draft where he, he yeah. took uh, Buckus and Sayers and the back to back picks. And maybe he used it all up, you know, or maybe they kind of push it into the eighties. I don't know. Maybe it's finally coming back though. Uh, my tweet this week is from our friend, Brad Spielberger. And I got it here. Um, he says uh, in his timeline on Twitter today, he's getting tweets that are basically saying, the Colts get the number one pick, and in exchange, the Bears get uh, the number four overall pick, the number 35 overall pick, the 2024 first, 2025 first, 2026 first, 2024 second, 2025 second, Peyton Manning's passing records, 2006 Super Bowl, rights to the city of Indianapolis. What do you think, Bears fans? <laughs> and it's very funny. It's a very funny thing because um, we're we're in kind of – I, maybe like crazy goofy season right now yeah. where bears fans have just come into this idea that number one pick is a reality. The bears are literally on the clock right now. Like they, if they wanted to, they could work out a contract with, with the, the number one overall pick. If that's really what they wanted to do. Right. Like they are on the clock. They own the board. They've got the most money in free agency by a long shot. Brad talks about that as well. This is going to be the most money spent in the free agency period um, that we've ever seen. And you have the number one spot that is open, presumably open, open for discussion for trade. Um, and so this is an insane thing, but let's not get carried away here. Let's try to have reasonable discourse around what these picks are worth and understand that there's a range that'll happen on it based on a number of factors. Yeah. These quarterbacks have to be of a caliber for people to for these teams to want to be able to trade multiple years of draft capital to go up and get them. I think that that's a very good possibility. Um, so I think that you will see a team want to come up to number one, but there has to be a partner, a, a trade partner, and, and Ryan Pulse has to feel pretty good about the compensation, and he's going to take his time to figure out what that means to him. Does he need more draft capital up front? Is he willing to wait for next year? Is he willing to wait for two years? Right? Like what, what does that look like? Does he want players? Does he want like a good veteran that he can get to fill in some of those holes? So for example, the Colts, like, do they want the Forrest Buckner as part of that? Because Matt Eberflus clearly likes the Forrest Buckner. Was that part of a trade demand that, that Ryan Poles would need to trade down for? So the point is like, there's a lot to sift through. Let's try to have those conversations. Let's try to be open-minded, but let's also try to be open-minded that the team trading up needs to feel good about that trade too. We yeah. can't just rip everybody off and have like the greatest PFF mock draft in the world. This has to all kind of make sense. So we'll try to shape that and make under make sense of that moving forward. 
I know Jacob has something coming out tomorrow where he kind of goes through a few teams and from some scenarios of teams that could trade up. Bill has one coming out, I think, on Thursday, kind of similar article. You know, so we'll have a lot of the stuff kind of showing, uh, you know, teams that can trade up for, you know, what they wouldn't want to give and some historical, uh, you know, we go by the, the Spielberger model for points, for draft points, the Jimmy Johnson. There's a bunch of different models out there. But, you know, I, I think that the most important thing here is that the fact that they're number one and they're on the clock now. So there is no, you know, 10 minute sequence where, yeah, they're going to have a lot of framework of these deals made out before the draft. But then if it's, if this happens, this happens, if this guy's drafted, this guy happens now we'll, we'll, we'll give you a call for a trade. It's all there. They can take their time, collect as many offers as possible, really weigh, which is the best offer for the franchise and go from there. And, you know, and it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Texans could trade up to, to, to one kind of like mm-hmm. how the bears did with Mitch a few years ago, because, you know, if you if if you if there is one guy that's clearly the top quarterback in the draft back in the Mitch era, there really wasn't. But Ryan Pace thought there was. But if, if there is one this year and if the Texans say this is we got to get this guy, he's got to be our guy. And, you know, the Bears have have one for sale and you, you, can, you can't let the Colts get it because that's that's the AFC South. The Texans got to come up and get their guy. You know, there's a lot of really wild scenarios that could play out here, and I'm I'm all for them. I'm all for the for the rumors. I'm all for the drama. I'm all for what Ryan Poles will do here. And you know, I I, I would be shocked if he didn't get a, a move done early. Like once he has enough data collected, and he has a good offer on the table, pull the trigger. And then now you got some time to play with the wherever you go back to. Yeah, and Bears fans, um, please refrain from adding, uh, from trading down with the Lions. Like, yeah. we're no, stop that. Stop trading with the Lions. They're we got to start taking them seriously. They're, that is a that is a team that's likely to be competing with the Bears here in the next few years for division titles. As Green Bay finds its way down, Minnesota yes. is going to have this nice little one year fun, but they're they're know. going they're they're not built that well for the future either. So, um, you know, stop trying to give the Lions uh, a top tier quarterback prospect. Make somebody else see that. That's just try to keep keep the top level quarterbacks away from Detroit. That that's that's what's needed. It needs to happen here. Um, but a lot of fun stuff to come, and we'll be getting into that um, this off season and doing a lot of that kind of stuff. So let's uh, let's move on to caught up in a numbers game stat. I have a couple just things that stick out from a yearly perspective. But what did you pull for this week? My number this uh, for a year in numbers the number eighty four. And uh, that is the number of penalties that were accepted against the Bears this season. And that is actually the uh, tied for the fourth fewest in the entire NFL. So Coach Eberflus is hits philosophy, a little more disciplined approach with things here. You know, we didn't see some of the some of the stupid things that we saw in the years past. You know, there was no one punching anyone. You know, there was no one jumping in there and and knocking over a trainer when he's on the field. Like some other ridiculous teams. Yeah, that was a weird weird day yesterday in the NFL. So, yeah, the penalties were were down a little bit. And I think overall the team showed a nice discipline. Um, They didn't take some of the stupid timeouts either this season. Um, I really didn't have a chance to track those. But, you know, we know. We saw the Matt Nagy era, how many times they just called us timeout after, after a situation where they already had a stop and play. Like, why are you calling a timeout coming out of a break or coming out of a, you know, first down? Like, what's happening here? It didn't happen that much with Coach Flus. So I think the hits philosophy took hold. A lot of players bought in, obviously. Probably they all bought in. Um, the ones that didn't, 
they may be gone. There are 30 free agents on the roster. So another turnover is coming. He'll have a chance to bring in more of his guys, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, obviously a really nice takeaway. There was that. There was one game where they just were penalized a, a whole bunch. Um, I'm not. I can't even remember now. I'm sure they got penalized a bunch in a Green Bay game because that's just what happens. But <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think if there was a game that just kind of stuck out as like all of a sudden the Bears have like all the penalties and their opponent doesn't have any. And it's like, what, what is this? Yeah. Um, and it was a close game and it was just very frustrating, but yes, I agree. Uh, I think it was noticeable and I think it was noticeable early and and it continued in that fashion. And that's, that's only good. Those are the ways that you, um, you know, you can win at the margins and that, that's good stuff. My, for me, I think the stat that's going to stick with us is 1143 which is uh justin fields rushing yards um did that accomplish that with the 15 games that he played but really like really only started going you know midway part through the year after that mini buy he got going and he almost broke the record for quarterback rushing yards an incredibly impressive year from from him out of that i will mention that this is the first time the bears have it uses your stat but um first time the bears defense has ever led the league in points allowed and then uh, this was the best running game in the league uh, from, from an offensive perspective. Obviously, it rolls in with your quarterback having 1,100 yards, but David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert both ran the ball well. Um, that was one thing that this football team did. They ran it effectively, efficiently, and they kept that up for the vast majority of the year. So um, it's a it's a weird, it's actually kind of a min-max kind of build uh, in, in a lot of ways. Like they were really bad at passing the ball volume-wise, but really great at running the ball. They, you know, they they were good at something over here, but they were terrible at uh, giving up all the points in the world, right? Like, so there was, you know, the, the sacks stuff, right? That's another stat that'll jump out at you uh, with Jaquan Brisker leading the team with four, four sacks. That's the lowest uh, in franchise history for the team leader, stuff like that. So there's kind of some, interesting like really low lows um and also a couple of like kind of fun highs yeah i like those rushing numbers i think that's uh i don't think anyone expected to be you know them to set you know to go over three thousand yards they set the new franchise record in rushing yeah there's an extra game we get it but still a record's a record that's what it is now uh, i thought it was pretty cool to see that happen would have liked to see it happen in a better better season obviously but what are you gonna do i mean justin fields you know he adds that element to the game you know, is, is it going to be something he wants to do every year? Probably not. You know, he talked about it. He wants to get, you know, work on his passing. He actually talked about it a little bit um, today uh, with, with a couple of the local media outlets, you know, talking about what would have been nice to break Lamar Jackson's rushing record. Uh, but he went on to say, and I'll quote him, uh, if there's one record I'd like to break, that would be the passing record. We'll see if we can get that done here in the near future. He knows it. You know, this is not who he was at, at Ohio State. He wasn't a, a run first option quarterback type of guy. He was a sit in the pocket, you know, go through his reads, you know, make the play with his arm and, you know, he'll get to that. And, you know, when he does that, you know, and then the offense takes the next step, but he still has the scrambling ability, still has that four, four speed there. So that's just an extra threat to a defense. Let's roll this into the fields report. We're already talking about Justin Fields. So uh, finishes the year with 1,143 rushing yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, some of those just absolutely electric runs. A couple of that were even called back. Yeah, That would have would have been even a crazier highlight package than it already is, which it is pretty fantastic. 
On the passing front, one, 192 completions on 318 attempts. That's 60.4% uh, completion percentage. Only 2,242 yards, 17 touchdowns against 11 interceptions. So that ratio was starting to go in the right direction. Uh, did take 55 sacks, which is very much way too many and way too much work for Lester on Fran the franchise uh, record. Yeah, the most ever from one player. He broke Jay Cutler's record, so that was not fun. The beloved sack watch got uh, a workout this year. So I, I think that one of the things that we saw, though, as we get into kind of talking about fields this 2022 as a whole, was that it was a very rough start, like incredibly bad start. The, the, the numbers were terrible. Yes, there was the monsoon game and all that kind of stuff, but there was just dreadful statistics. Now you had a new quarterback with new offensive line, a newer quarterback, young quarterback with a, you know, new offensive line combinations, a lot of moving parts, new uh, wide receivers and a new offense, right? So there's a, yeah, you need some time to gel. You saw veteran quarterbacks move into new systems, particularly this system. You know, the book is that it does take a, a full year. And then that second year you, you see a, a, a bit of a jump or a lot of a jump depending on the player. And so, some of that was good, was expected. It was maybe a little worse than what you thought. And so from a statistical standpoint, started off in a big hole. But then if you see his progress throughout the year, particularly once they sort of unlocked that running part of his game after the mini buy against, against Washington, his efficiency stats yeah. in throwing the ball were really good. And, and the problem is that there's just not enough volume to have made up completely for that rough start when you look at the whole season um, in aggregate. But if you are looking at the progression and if you are looking at those efficiency stats as we move through the year, it's really impressive. So I'm not trying to cherry pick, but I think that there is more context to those stats than just saying like, these aren't very good. The volume's not there. Now, part of that is who is he throwing to? Part of that is, does he have any time? And part of that is, yeah, there's probably some things that he could have done to take the outlet or to, to, to make those decisions quicker. So all of those things you want to see progression next year. But like you said, at the top of the show, he showed us more than enough that he's the franchise guy and that yeah. everybody is lining up behind Justin Fields because he's the leader of this football team. You know, uh, I'm going to highlight a tweet here. Adam Hess, who is at underscore Adam Hess, uh, we know him. He's in one of our our circles. We hear he talked about some of the the quarterbacks from weeks four through sixteen, and, and he went through and charted it: um, the the efficiency, the EPA, the completion percentage over expected, average depth of target. You know, Justin Fields was was pretty much top ten in all these things. You know, during the the weeks four through sixteen. You know, he, he if you if you chart that out. He's up there in the in the Mahomes, the Hurts, the Burrow, the Prescott. This kind of realm. He's a bit below those guys, but again, he doesn't have the volume, you know. So he improved as a passer from his rookie season across the board. The future's bright. The arrow's pointing up for Justin Fields. I can't wait till next year. Yeah, yeah. The clock starts right. Yes, let's like, go. Ah, man, it, it, it'll be fun through free agency. It's going to be really fun through free agency. To be yeah. quite honest with you, it's going to be fun through the draft. We've got a lot of fun stuff scheduled, and then there's going to be this dead period <laughs> after the draft until it's camp, right? Where it's like, what do we do with our lives? Yeah. Like, what what are we supposed to do? Uh, you know. So yeah, we'll we'll go through that again. But we knew that coming in um, that everything was pointed towards next year. Um, I I agree. I think that 
overall, as a Bears fan, you have to feel pretty good about Justin Fields. If you're not one of those people and you're more interested in some other player, I, I get it. Fine. Like that's your prerogative fan, how you want a fan. But I, I see that this, this young man can absolutely be everything that the Chicago Bears hope that he can be. I think there's enough tools in his arm uh, to, to be the best passer in, in Chicago Bears history. I mean, I, I don't think I'm, I don't think that's a hyperbole there. I, I really do think that he has the tools to, to make that happen. So um, I think brighter things are in store for the Chicago Bears and for number one and the captain of, of this football team. So uh, we'll take a quick break and then we're going to hand out our bowls of porridge for 2022. Stick with us. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Lester, let's talk about the three bears, hot bowl of porridge, cold bowl of porridge, and just right. So where do you want to go for 2022, your hot bowl of porridge? So the spirit of hot bowl is a guy that performs, you know, above expected. We weren't expecting this. And you kind of talked, I, I have two names written down. Okay. But I, I'm going to, I'm going to take the guy you mentioned earlier. That's Braxton Jones. Again, no one expected this. You know, no one expected he'd be starting. You know, we figured the Bears would bring in a veteran. We figured, you know, maybe Larry Borum would slide into that left tackle spot. You know, but early on in the offseason, Jones was getting starter reps. And then he kind of just kept that job. He never gave it away. He didn't play at a Pro Bowl level, you know, obviously. He has some holes he has to clean up. But he didn't do enough stuff where you're like, yeah, he can't, he can't be out there. You know, there's no way he got some help, which is what happens with rookie tackles. You know, you chip help once in a while, you leave a, a back in or a tight end in to give him a hand over there. But like I said, every single snap, and he's the only player on the Bears, offense or defense, that played every snap of their respective side of the ball. So it's got to be Braxton Jones for me. I have nothing I've written down in case you don't mention him. I'll, I'll circle back, but I want to hear who you have. Okay. So my first answer is a little bit of people are not going to like it, but. Ryan Poles. And now that the season is over and you look at what happened, Justin Fields is the guy they're going to build around. Absolutely. Number one, the thing that you needed to figure out. I think you figured it out. You want to argue to say that they don't really know that again, that's fine. Your analysis is your analysis. I think they figured out that they want to build around this guy. Number two, 
is they cleared all of that crap off the cap. All of that Ryan Pace BS is pretty much gone. Yeah, there's some, much, yeah. there's some extraneous stuff that's still around, whatever, but it's it's minor. He got all that off. He's going to have the most money in free agency coming in here. And he has the number one draft pick yeah. <laughs> in the NFL draft. He owns the offseason. Now, he likely made a pitch that was similar to this when he was in interviews that said, here's how you get out of this. You take a year of pain. And then once you take that year of pain, you get into the off season and you have all of these resources to build up and do it the right way. It was hard. It was really hard, but now it's over and you look back and you say, okay, we got through it. Justin Fields is the guy and he didn't get hurt. I mean, I know he got a little banged up, but like, he didn't, he didn't suffer a, uh, you know, a torn ACL like Kyler Murray did. Right. Like, so he's not out for next year or anything like that. And you, you have all of these resources to build this team in your image. I, I gotta say once, once you get past all of the pain of the individual games, you got to kind of look back and be like, okay, he did it. He, 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 he was able to bring this franchise through. A lot of people aren't going to like that answer. Um, as a player, Jack Sanborn. There he is. Yep. I, I mean, I remember talking about him when they signed him as an undrafted free agent because, you know, you do that sort of thing. I didn't expect him to do anything. And here he was lighting it up, filling in for arguably the best player that the uh, on the team at the time um, when, when they trade, uh, when Ryan Poles traded away Roquan Smith. Again, <laughs> you know, here's another asset draft asset that they acquired in the middle of the year on a player that he didn't want to pay for in the off season. Um, and here comes Jack Sanborn and really proving that, Hey, actually for a linebacker, you may not need to have one of the best athletes in the game at that position because a guy like Jack Sanborn can come in and play pretty well. And yeah, Pole scouted him out and signed him to a free agent contract. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, so a lot of fans I think got over Roquan Smith pretty quickly and they became Jack Sanborn fans. And the money is obviously part of it. I mean, Rokon sure. was looking for 20, 22, 25 million a season. Jack Sanborn's in here being productive at, you know, an undrafted free agent, you know, rookie salary. So the money, of course, is something, you know, there. I think a lot of us thought Jack Sanborn would be able to be a, a contributor to this team. I know he made a lot of the, the UDFA, top UDFA lists that went around. I know Jacob was high on him. EJ was high on him. But I don't think anyone expected him to step in and be a starter as a rookie. I mean, he had 14 games, six starts, 64 tackles, you know, two sacks, five tackles for loss. And, and he, he looked like a smart football player out there. You know, the, the game will slow down for him eventually. So which will help kind of, you know, make up for that four, seven speed, which is, you know, that's slow. You know, I can never do four, seven, you can never do four, seven, but you know, it's for his position. Everyone looks at, Oh, that's so slow. But you know, it wasn't like he was getting abused. You know, maybe he doesn't have sideline to sideline speed. Maybe it's more, uh, you know, almost sideline to sideline. But he's a decent enough athlete. You look at his RAS score. It wasn't atrocious. There are much worse guys than, than Jack Sanborn in the league that are having success. He's a good enough athlete. Uh, he has high football IQ from some a great program. The Wisconsin Badgers always turn out good linebackers. So I think he's your Mike of the future. I think that's or at least the next future few years, at least. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty fun. Uh, so hot bowl to Jack Sanborn. Uh, again, I try to give him the nickname Jack in the Box. I think that works for a, a box linebacker. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's the most creative thing out there. But other people like other nicknames. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. But, you know, again, if, if you're considering a nickname, Jack in the Box. That's my nickname for him. All right, Cole Bowl Porridge. Let's, let's flip it around. Who you got? You talked about it earlier. I'm, I'm going to go as a collective, the Bears scoring defense Dead last in the NFL, 27.2 points per game. First time they've ever been dead last in scoring defense. And one reason I wanted to bring this up is because I want to talk about two other NFC North teams that were tied for third worst in points allowed, and that's the Lions and the Vikings. Vikings, of course, you know, Viking fans think they're the you know the best team in, in football these days. Lions fans, of course, they're high on their team, and, and deservedly so. But these two teams have terrible defenses. They gave up 25.1 points per game, the exact same each team. You know, I think the Vikings, like you said, may be on the way down after this season of up. Lions probably on the way up. But regardless of where they two, these two teams go, their defenses are bad. Not as bad as the Bears, but the Bears have more assets. They have more money to kind of, you know, bolster that up where these two teams may not. So I think it's uh, it's interesting to kind of look at how these two – these three franchises kind of frame their defense going forward. Of course, the Packers, nobody cares about the Packers. <laughs> that was a beautiful game yesterday, by the way. Yeah, was that was fun. a great way to end the regular season. Yeah. And Rodgers, potentially Rodgers' last pass as a Green Bay Packer, being that like lame duck that he floated up there uh, that got intercepted. It's just, I mean, you can't write a better script. No. You know, it, it, it's, it's just, mwah. all right. Um, my cold bowl of porridge. I think you can go a lot of different ways with this. I, I really, I really do. Um, you know, the offensive line had nine starting combinations. That's really rough. We never saw the the starting combination that I think uh, Ryan Poles originally envisioned here, uh, and so that that's kind of crazy in and of itself. Um, but I'm going to say the, the the wide receivers as a collective yeah. unit. I, I was we we kind of had an idea that this was going to be a rough group when when putting together this team you're you're trying to find some stuff that maybe fit it didn't um and you know darnell mooney didn't look very good and then he got hurt and it was like are you kidding me uh the acquisition of chase claypool a lot of people are down on that i understand i'm i'm willing to give that an off season and see what happens uh, with the full off season with justin fields and come in fresh and, and see where that goes but you know, obviously did not do much uh, during his his first action with with the Bears. You know, Nikhil Harry, you know, I think he had nine targets, um, you know, on the year. Byron Pringle, like nothing, right? Uh, you know, honestly, Equinemius St. Brown may have been the player that played up to the expectation yes. that, or maybe exceeded the expectation that we had for him. He got resigned. You know, he's a good blocker. You can kind of see why they want to bring him back. Uh, but a lot of these guys just they they all underperformed expectations, even if those expectations were pretty low. And that's that's pretty rough. You know, there's a lot of times where guys guys could have picked up the offense and made a play, even plays that are just there. And a lot of untimely drops Again, the game that I personally attended was Washington. Darnell Mooney has has the ball right between the numbers in his hands and he drops it for a game winning touchdown. Right. That stuff happened. Um, and I just think overall, in terms of disappointing units um, versus expectations, for me, it was the wide receivers. When I was doing my notes and prepping for the show, 
you know, before I settled on the, the scoring defense, I had down written down Pringle. I wrote down Mooney. I wrote down Nikhil Harry. I wrote down Chase Claypool. I wrote down Dante Pestling. Which one of these receivers performed least? And then I'm like, I could go collective. But then, you know, I just kind of settled on the scoring. So I wanted to shoehorn that nugget, kind of come full, full circles, and I mentioned it a couple of weeks back. Uh, that's why I kind of settled on that. But, yeah, the, the receivers, even Mooney, who was probably the best, uh, you know, the, the most talented out there, he had a down year, you know. No one lived up to expectation, expectations of the receiver spot except for Equinemus St. Brown. And it, you know, he came back, you know, it's, uh, and let's talk about him real quick. Some fans were livid at this signing when it happened. They were on social media. They were mad. I'm sure, you know, the, the sports radio had their, their, their anger too, but it's like a near minute, near league minimum deal for who should be your fourth or fifth guy. You know, he didn't play any special teams this year for the Bears, but in his Packers career, he has been a special teamer. So it's not like if he now is your fourth or fifth receiver, which those guys have to play specials, he can do that. You know, so I like the signing. He's a good football player. Again, he knows the offense. He seems like a good locker room guy. No brainer. Bring him back. You know, what do you have to lose at this point? He's He's not, you know, he's not your number one. Depth. You need you still need depth guys. Yeah, I mean, point number one, it's cheap. Point number two, he fits this offense and and what they want to do. Point number three, I learned how to say his name. So, like, let's yes. bring him back so that yeah. I can keep saying his name. Right now, in, in all seriousness, I I do think that it, it Bears fans that don't understand this signing, like, yeah, I think Ryan Pulse knows that he's not going to be the number one. Like, but you need fifty three players on an active roster like that. Yeah. This guy is worth an active roster spot. Like all the things you said works hard. Um, I'm, I'm in on him. We've been pretty positive on, on his play all year. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're clearly for it. So, um, all right. Uh, let's see. Just right. Just right. Just Are you, right. you're up for that. Let's go. Eddie Jackson. Oh, you know, okay. I'm going to go Eddie Jackson, you know, before he went to injury reserve, and again, there was no uh, no surgery, so he'll be back, ready for camp, ready to go. Um, before IR, he was the leading Pro Bowl vote getter for his position at safety. Twelve games, eighty tackles, four interceptions, two forced fumbles. He was back to being used in a way that you know he was comfortable being used in. Jaquan Brisker was more the physical presence, which Eddie Jackson appreciated because he can kind of do some of those things that he didn't really didn't really want to do, so to speak. He bought in, you know, we saw him at camp get called out by coach, you know, right off, right off the bat. And we're yep. like, Oh, this could be bad news for Eddie Jackson. No, he bought in. He was a good, a, a good trooper. He did what we had to do. He was put in position to make plays. And you know what? He made plays four interceptions in 12 games. Um, Eddie Jackson, I, I expected to bounce back from him. I figured, you know, man, coming to a Tampa two style defense, you know, more too high stuff. He'll have a chance to kind of do some some different stuff back there. We kind of saw him use them more in a, in a robber role, where he's kind of the, the upfront safety, where they kind of put they stack him, able to kind of do things with his instincts. Plays into his what he wants to do. I think Eddie Jackson is uh, going to be thirty next year, but he he's at that position. He's got another couple of years left. I like that answer. I actually had in the same position group. Uh, for me, it's Jalen Johnson. Okay. Um, I, I I thought that coming in, uh, Jalen Johnson had a chance to to prove that he was 
among the best corners in the league. Um, I've really liked what he's done in his career so far. He came in and I think he did quite, quite well. And I yeah. think that he proved that, you know, week in week out that he can match up against some of the better wide receivers in the league. Um, I know that the AJ Brown game got a lot of uh, people kind of looking at Jalen Johnson and kind of, wait, is he celebrating this? And it's like, actually kind of yeah because yeah. he should like it was actually a pretty good game yes they had the one the one big play that he gave up but overall he did quite well in coverage um, against one of the best receivers and one of the best passing offenses in oh by the way with no pass rush the degree of difficulty of with which Jalen Johnson had to play this year was as high as it is will ever be uh, because there's no pass rush and he's asked to, to guard number one wide receivers every week and he did quite well and I I think that he is, uh, once this team gets more pieces around there, is more competitive, can rush the passer with some actual pass rushing ability, um, you're going you're gonna to see him get a little bit more love in the national media and, and well-deserved. So for me, it's Jalen Johnson, um, a, a true – uh, you know, bear at number 33, right? Like, a, it's a good number on him. I like it. Uh, continues that legacy and tradition. So he gets my just right this year. Real nice year from him. Again, another guy that ended the year on IR, but, you know, from what I understand, it was not a, a severe injury, but it was one that would have kept him out a couple games. They figure, you know, let's just shut him down. You know, and we talked about the organization tanking. That's an organizational tank. When they figured, you know what, let's just shut him down. There's no point putting him out there. Um, He'll be back, but, you know, maybe not for the last game. So let's just shut him down and get it over with. So good pick there. You know, him, Eddie Jackson of the Bets, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, the, the rookies came through. Four pretty pretty good football players back there. You got to get one more. Uh, whether whether Gordon stays a nickel or moves outside in the future remain to be seen. But, again, Kyler Gordon, he came on strong after a rough season start off. He looked like a, a guy that Bears drafted. Risker was solid pretty much all year long. He had some issues in coverage here and there, but again, rookies. Rookies are going to make these mistakes. Future's bright as secondary. And then, of course, the, the, the D-line, you know, they had no sacks against the Vikings. And I think last week we talked about how it was the, the fewest sacks from the D-line in Bears history. That obviously continued because they got none against the Vikes. So they got to get some, some dudes up there to get after the quarterback. I you can fix a position group in an off season, right? Yes. And so, and given the resources, polls can probably do more than one position yeah. groups, right? So, I, absolutely, he's going to throw a lot of resources at defensive line. You do that, that makes your secondary better. Just in general, you have a second year Kyler Gordon, you have a second year Jaquan Brisker, you have you know hopefully healthy Jalen Johnson and hopefully healthy Eddie Jackson. Uh, Jack Sanborn coming back, man, in one of those linebacker spots where he's asked to be your ninth best player, right? Like you start to kind of convince yourself that this, 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 uh, defense can make a quick recovery and be competitive, um, uh, rather quickly. So absolutely. I think there's a good core there. Um, let's, uh, let's just give kind of a final thoughts as we, as we close out and, uh, close out our last episode of season two. So what, what are your final thoughts on this 2022 Chicago Bears season? Just the, the fact that where they came from, where they're heading. I mean, every year in the, in the NFL, teams go from worst to first. You know, it happens all the time. You know, 33 straight years, at least four times to qualify for the playoffs that missed the playoffs the year before. I'm not saying the Bears are going to be a playoff team next year, but 
to say to just right away dismiss it because they're so bad. Come on, the Jaguars just did the same thing the Bears did. They were in th- they had three wins last year. They're in the playoffs this year, so it can happen. Is it likely? Probably not. But I don't think this team is as far away from being competitive as as some want to want to make you believe. And you know, I think they figured out the most important part, and that's quarterback. They got that figured out. Now they'll build around it, and we'll see what Ryan Ryan Poles can do in the most important offseason probably in the history of the franchise. Yeah, you look at the Jags, you look at the Lions. The, you know, it is possible. I think that they still have to pick the right players. They still have to convince the players to come. I think Justin Fields is an excellent recruiting tool. Yep. I actually think that Iberflus could be a good recruiting tool on the defense. I think that there's you know players that probably like playing for him, right? So there's there's going to be some good that comes of that. But I think Justin Justin Fields is the ultimate recruitment tool, and I think we'll see that played out here in this this very important offseason. We were talking before the show that this reminds me a little bit of Mike Ditka's first year, right? So we celebrate this because we know what happened in the 80s with the Chicago Bears. But Mike Ditka comes in, and it's his first camp, and it's a losing franchise. They've been bad for years and years and years. The Bears were terrible in the 70s. Glad that I wasn't alive, to be quite honest with you, because the Bears were terrible. It would have been a terrible era of football to watch. But he comes in. It's 1982, and he says, look around, fellas, because most of you aren't going to be here next year. And it's kind of celebrated now, right? Like he puts the team on notice, and he's saying, like, you know, you aren't it. You Basically, you guys are losers, and, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to weed that, that out of here, and we're going to get winners in here. And that's what happened starting in 1982, 83, right? You start the great 83 draft, right? You start to see – these these foundational pieces and these building blocks um, at, that shaped the 80s teams. That's what's needed here. And so that number one pick means a lot in terms of what it can turn into as, as Ryan Poles trades down, as we all hope, um, and creates more picks out of that. And those picks can create more picks. Not yep. maybe not necessarily. Let's say they trade with the, the Colts at four and with some with some other picks. I'm not saying they have to trade pick four. They can take that. Jalen Carter type defensive player, defensive lineman that they're really excited about. We think they'll be excited about. Um, they could trade one of those other picks down. They could trade their pick next year, right? Like there's, I'm not saying it has to be that pick that they get. It can be one of the others and start to, you know, generate more capital and actually fill in depth. This team has sorely missed depth for years ryan pace just took everything out of the cupboard that he possibly could um and so this will be nice to see if they can re, you know rebuild that you know re, restock those shelves so overall i think that i am so very happy that we are done with this 2022 season because we knew it would be somewhat painful it would be hard to get through this year in a lot of ways and it was um thank you for sticking with us i have done this is my 64th live stream Oh my of God. this <laughs> of this season, I went back and counted them all up. Um, that's too much, but it was a lot to talk about uh, this this team and a lot to talk about the NFL in general. Um, but I think that I have a pretty good sense of where this team can go. And again, you got to pick the right players. But I I definitely see the path. And like you said, maybe things have broken in favor of the Chicago Bears for once, and we will look back on this time and say. Remember that time that all of these things lined up for 
Justin Fields for the number one pick for the trade down that brought this out. And we'll be telling tales of this for a long time. So hopefully we're in the middle of a really great piece of Chicago Bears history. I'll leave it there. Lesser, thank you for everything this year. I really enjoyed this partnership and bringing Bear and Balanced. And uh, yeah, thanks for everything, man. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate everything you guys, you guys all tuning in. I appreciate everything you do with the thing. You 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 serve as the exec producer of this show. You're you're kind of running the the board there for us. So I appreciate you doing that. And uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. You know, the season hasn't been the funnest, but I think we had a lot of fun here. And like we talked about, man, giving away hundred bucks every week. You know that that's that's cool. It's good stuff. All right, we'll stick around for the YouTube crowd, and we have a ton of stuff planned in this off season. I already announced with Robert that we are going to do what's called building the board, which is trying to actually take some scouting material, try to make that a little bit more accessible uh, to all of the fans and not just the people that are super into the draft. We'll get deep into draft stuff as well, but we want to make it more accessible. We're going to do a lot of shows and we are bringing in, we've got like five guys that are going to be doing scouting. I'm going to be at a project manager you know, hosting kind of uh, role and responsibility for myself to try to bring these guys along and uh, keep them honest uh, as we as we work through this stuff. So make sure that you're uh, joining in there. A lot of that stuff's going to go up on Second City Gridiron YouTube. We will obviously do the podcast. Uh, we'll have a podcast feature for that, and we'll put that up on the website as well. So keep following us. Um, it's going to be a really fun off season. I guarantee you the off season is going to be so much more fun than the regular season was um, at least in terms of wins and losses. Cause I think the bears are going to have a lot of wins in the off season. So yeah. uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you for everything for season two. And until we see you bear down.